Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us as we kick off a new week. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a good weekend. Some areas got some rain. We'll talk about that with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson on the program today. We have a lot of analysis and reaction to Friday's WASD report. We're going to hear from Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, and Mac Marshall, Ag Economist for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. A lot of a focus on that uh, soybean market right now. Also, harvest underway in the boot heel of Missouri. We'll go to Dexter, Missouri, and talk with Charlie Cruz about how harvest is going there. All that coming up as we kick off a new week here on Adams on Agriculture. And we're always glad to start the week off talking with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Here we were watching and waiting for confirmation that the administration, the EPA, uh, was going to uh, reject those gap year waivers, this, the renewable fuel standard. And all of a sudden we got this other news where the president sends out a tweet saying that he's going to allow E15 to be dispensed through uh, E10 pumps. So kind of a, a surprise uh, bit of good news there for the biofuels industry. It certainly is. Good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure to be with you. You probably saw the tweet Saturday morning where he said, subject only to state approval, our important ethanol industry will be allowed to use 10% pumps for the 15% blend. So obviously everybody in the ethanol industry needs a little bit of a shot in the arm these days. Uh, and I know some of them are still very frustrated that uh, we've got this decision with Brazil that didn't exactly go their way. Uh, they got uh, you know an extra 90 days with a higher tariff rate quota, but wasn't exactly the expansion of the TRQ that they wanted. So some moving parts, but uh, I think if you're in the ethanol industry, you want to take everybody as good as you can. That's right. Did, do we have confirmation yet that EPA will reject those uh, gap year waivers? I, no, I have not seen it as of this no. morning. But, you know, the news has been really spinning. We've had the announcement of some additional export sales, uh, another 490 metric tons of corn, another 430 soybeans uh, to China. Uh, we got word that Ambassador Branstead is going to be stepping down, which I, I view as fairly negative news because he's been such a great ambassador and uh, had a close relationship with President Xi, so he'll be stepping down and coming back to the U.S. and uh, in October. So we're, um, you know, we're looking at a lot of things coming in this morning as a typical Monday here at Agripol. Yeah, there is a lot going on. Uh, one of the stories we're watching again this week. We thought we would get information on last week, but didn't. That is uh, uh, details on CFAP 2.0. Any word on that? Not as of the last time I looked at my screen, as you know, Secretary Purdue said that we would have it last week, so we're still waiting to see that it should you know, should be this week. Uh, he's still got money within CCC that he can be delivering, but um, we uh, hadn't seen it as expected last week, so I, I think it's going to be something that we'll be closely watching all week long to see which day actually they do get that out the door. And depending on who you talk to or hear from, it seems like there's more and more pessimism 
that they'll get, that Congress will pass another COVID aid package before the election. Well, you saw uh, last week that the Senate passed a so-called skinny uh, package. It's um, obviously very far apart from what the House Democrats have passed. And so there's a big gap between the two versions. Uh, we are also looking, of course, at the fact that they need to keep the federal government funded by the end of the year so that we can uh, have money going into the next fiscal year and that perhaps as part of a continuing resolution, they might be able to do something. But again, it's one of those things where we're just kind of keeping an eye on everything hour by hour and sometimes minute by minute to see what might emerge. Also some action on the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, that uh, survived a court challenge for now. It did, and I think it's part of this overall regulatory agenda where the Trump administration has been talking about rolling back red tape, uh, something that pulls very well with farmers, ranchers, whenever we talk to them about just, you know, make it easier to comply with these sorts of regulations. And certainly the cattlemen's group you saw on Public Lands Council came out saying that this will make it easier to make range improvements and reduce the impact of wildfires and Certainly anything we can do to stop the uh, wildfire fuel uh, development situation would be most welcome. So I I think this is something that uh, most farm groups are going to view as fairly positive. Well, let's talk about the wildfires out west. Uh, You have a a West Coast branch of AgriPulse. What's the latest uh, that you're hearing from out there? You know, it's just devastating, Mike. I I had so many folks send us a note on Monday when we had our big summit out there saying, I'd really like to comply, but I don't know if I'm going to have to evacuate rather than watch your seminar. I mean, I'm getting tweets and Facebook posts from people who have lost everything. And of course, we know that there's been, between the bark beetle and the lack of logging in so many of those areas, there's been this tremendous fuel buildup. And so when you've got these high Santa Ana winds, uh, it's, it's just been torching not only in California, but Oregon, Washington, uh, and the devastation, the air quality. I mean, I was in Sacramento uh, last week for our summit, and you just didn't want to be outside. So here you have a state, that, especially like California, that prides itself on being green, and it has such bad air quality right now. You might have been in Beijing for all you would have known that walking outside. Well, you mentioned uh, your virtual summit last week. Uh, you're holding uh, virtual meetings like a lot of folks are, uh, doing the best you can uh, given the COVID restrictions. Yes, we are, and we're finding probably greater participation from areas of the country where they might not have traveled all the way in. Uh, that one was in Sacramento. We're expecting a huge crowd for our D.C. summit on September 21, which you know, we wouldn't have thought this was an important topic quite to the level that it is, but our, our theme is the critical connections between food security and national security. And we've got a really great lineup of people. Kip Tom from Rome is going to be calling in. We've got uh, Secretary Purdue. We've got Congressman um, from the uh, Colin Peterson, House Ag Committee, uh, Mr. Conaway, House Ag Committee, of course, the ranking and chairman of the committee as well as Chairman Roberts and the ranking member, Stabenow. So it's going to be a full day of great content talking about how agriculture is just even more important as a result of the pandemic, and you're you're seeing people realize this, and we have to do more to protect our food security as part of our national security. And how can people view that summit and get 
uh, signed up for that? Yeah, just go to our agripulse.com website and click on the summit tab and look for the DC summit and you'll see the whole list of speakers and uh, welcome folks to sign up. Any of our subscribers can sign up for free and we have a discounted rate for all others. Very good. Good to talk with you, Sarah. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Indeed, lots going on. We'll talk more about the markets and the WASDE report uh, a little bit later on. But up next, we'll talk weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, we have the latest beef and pork export numbers, and here with those numbers and some uh, analysis of them is Aaron Bohr, economist with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. All right, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Uh, how do the uh, latest numbers look? Thanks, Mike. Uh, I would say continued improvement. This year we look at month-on-month change, which is not typical. We usually look year-on-year, but given obvious uh, crazy circumstances, we look back month-on-month for beef up 36% compared to June and pork up 7% compared to June, which pork never decreased as hard as beef. So that's part of that difference. And so an encouraging sign, although still below year-ago levels for beef and dipping below year-ago for pork. So clearly challenges, but improving trends and the weekly data through August showed that that continued and especially for beef. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. 
For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Before we look at the week ahead, let's look back over the weekend. And Bryce, uh, some rain in some parts of the country. How widespread was it? Uh, rainfall, uh, Mike, was uh, you know fairly prominent over uh, part of the central and the eastern Midwest. It looked like in parts of Illinois we saw rains of a quarter to one inch, uh, some locally heavier, considering how dry things have been. I think that um, you know that uh, precipitation is going to uh, not take very long to dry out and offer maybe some chances for you know, some harvest uh, to even get underway later this week, and there could actually be some harvesting in uh, western Illinois. Of course, uh, last week was uh, such a uh, big rainfall event in uh, the western Midwest. Uh, Parts of Iowa, or practically all of Iowa, rain uh, since, what, about uh, the last of June, and uh, I think it's going to uh, show up in the drought monitor this week with at least a little bit of drought easing, now, this week is not looking very good uh, as far as uh, rainfall uh, follow-up, but like I say, last week was a was a uh, pretty wet week in uh, quite a bit of the Midwest, and so those rainfall amounts uh, in some cases were records, anywhere from um, well, about three-quarters to two inches, uh, some locally heavier, uh, with, uh, like I say, a lot of uh, soaking in uh, that would be done considering how dry uh, things have been lately, particularly in the month of August. Yeah, saw some good rains in my area in west central Illinois, and it did. Uh, they soaked right in for sure. All right, so let's take a look at this week ahead. Uh, take us around the, the Midwest. What's it look like? Uh, it's going to be dry just about everywhere. Uh, we've got high pressure uh, pretty well covering uh, most of the central part of the country. The surface uh, pressure centers today are up in northern Minnesota, kind of in the Lake of the Woods area, and then in southern Colorado. Are you still there, Bryce? Bryce dropped out on us, so we'll try to reconnect with Bryce as he's uh, giving us the the forecast for this week ahead, but it does look like it's probably going to be pretty much a dry week ahead, I think is what he was going to tell us after some rain over the weekend, and uh, as uh, tension starts turning more and more to harvest, we'll see uh, how much harvesting actually gets started this week. I know some uh, in my part of the world, in uh, west central Illinois, the rains over the weekend, while needed and appreciated, might slow some of the plans to get harvest going this week. We will see. And uh, we'll try to reconnect with Bryce here in just a moment and uh, get his forecast for uh, the rest of not only this week, but uh, the rest of September as well. Some harvest is already underway down in the boot heel of Missouri. And a little bit later on, we're going to be talking with uh, Charlie Cruz, who farms in the Dexter, Missouri area. And uh, he'll give us an update on how much harvesting has been done there already and uh, how much uh, they hope to be able to get into this week 
ahead. And also, we have a lot of analysis coming up on the Friday's WASD report and the markets overall. We have two analysts that will be joining us in the second half of the program. That's coming up here in just a bit. But let's go back to uh, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, we have you back now. Go ahead with your forecast for this week ahead. Yeah, basically uh, dry, Mike. Uh, high pressure is just a big feature, and it's going to uh, keep things pretty well shut down. And, and you know, one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, facets in this equation is the development of Tropical Storm Sally that is probably going to become a hurricane in the next 24 hours along the Gulf Coast, kind of between New Orleans and Pensacola, with uh, the, the uh, storm just kind of tying up all the moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico, dumping it in the south and the southeast. It uh, is likely going to hurt the cotton crop in the deep south. But the, the uh, flip side of that is that here over the Corn Belt, we stay on the dry side. And uh, that's going to be, I think, pretty beneficial and uh, help crops to move along Along with that, temperatures are going to be quite mild. I don't think we're going to have a repeat of the uh, chilly uh, cold that we had last week. And uh, there was some damage, no doubt about that, in the northern tier. But as far as uh, that uh, cold prospect really sinking into the um, central Midwest, I don't think that we're in line for that. And all in all, you have to think of this as a pretty favorable pattern. And we're about the last uh, part of September. It is just staying on the uh, drier and warmer side. I mean, we got our cold shot last week, and then uh, the the uh, pattern is uh, continuing to show mostly a zonal airflow in the upper atmosphere, looking to the end of the month and then even uh, touching the 1st of October. So, you know, temperatures that are in the mid-60s to the low 70s for the daytime highs and the lows in that range of uh, even the upper 40s into the mid-50s. That's probably going to be what we have to finish out the month of September. So that is uh, just going to keep things moving along. I know that the um, that the, the chill last week probably extended that, uh, that final, you know, stage of crop maturity somewhat because, you know, we lost some degree days, but we're going to be able to get those back. One thing that kind of gets in the way a little bit is that there's uh, a fair amount of haze in the sky over parts of the Midwest from all the fires to our west, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to take a little bit of the edge off the uh, sun impact. You know, kind of like a a uh, mini, and I stress mini, Mount Pinatubo effect you know, from about uh, 20, uh, bordering uh, 30 years ago in the early 1990s. But uh, that smoke is kind of getting in the way of a complete helping of sunlight uh, with this uh, trend that we've got. All right. Uh, You're keeping us up to date as well on planting conditions, weather in South America. You've told us it's been dry. What's the situation this week? Well, this week is going to bring a little bit of rain into central Brazil uh, with uh, possibly some light to moderate amounts in Paraná State. And that, uh, if it verifies, uh, would allow for soybean planting to get started in Paraná. Mato Grosso is going to have some light rain. I don't think enough to uh, get things going for soybean planting. But if that continues over the next week, I think possibly by the end of the week, there would be enough uh, confidence on the part of uh, growers there to start getting the planters in gear. 
All right. So what and what can you tell us about uh, La Nina developing? Well, right now La Nina is in effect. Uh, the uh, water temperatures have been pretty consistently around uh, one to even uh, one and a half degrees Celsius below normal off the coast of South America, and then about a half degree Celsius below normal farther west. The uh, Southern Oscillation Index, the SOI, is right around a uh, plus 9.7, I believe, today on the 30-day average. So that is a La Nina value. Uh, so La Nina is developing, and you think about the impact uh, here in the states during the fall season. It is a drier uh, contributor for the uh, Midwest crop season in the fall, so that would be favorable for harvest. It, it also is drier in the southern plains, which is uh, not very promising, you know, for follow-up moisture after the rainfall that they had. But uh, those are two hallmark features that come to mind when you think about the uh, effect on U.S. fall uh, weather. And of course, after the last couple of years, I think a lot of growers, particularly in the upper Midwest, would be uh, quite happy. Uh, they, they would be able to deal with a drier harvest after how wet it was uh, over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Finally, for the folks out west where those terrible fires are raging, any uh, any rain out there that would help? There is not, unfortunately. Uh, the, the west is just uh, very dry. Uh, there's maybe a little bit of a light shower going on in western Washington state, but that's not really catching, you know, where the fires have been the most intense. And this week, uh, there's there's really nothing going on. And then you add in the effect of La Nina, uh, the drier trend is a part of the forecast for the western United States as well, uh, especially in California and then uh, eastward into the Great Basin. Uh, so I don't think that there's going to be any real uh, relief uh, in the near term anyway for the uh, fire situation in that part of the country. Hmm. All right. Good to talk with you, Bryce. Thanks for the update. You bet, Mike. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Take care, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Well, coming up next, we have uh, was the report that was released Friday to look at and some more export numbers to look at. Uh, first of a couple of reports, we're going to talk with Todd Holtman, who's lead analyst for DTN, get his thoughts on the WASDA report and uh, the markets as we are heading into harvest. And speaking of harvest, we're also going to get a harvest update from the Boot Heel of Missouri. Charlie Cruz will check in with us. Then later in the program, we'll wrap it up with another economist and thoughts on the WASDA report. Mac Marshall will be joining us a little bit later, the uh, Market Intelligence uh, Vice President for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. So lots still to go. Stay with us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. 
when it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. We see triple-digit advances for the gains in cattle futures as we begin this new trading week. In live cattle futures trending in $1.10 to nearly $1.50 higher. Further pressure could be possible in the cash cattle trade this week as packers are looking at ample supplies. Box beef values starting to stabilize over the last couple of sessions. In live cattle futures, October up a dollar twenty-five at one hundred six seventy-seven an hour into the day. December up a dollar fifty-two at one eleven forty-two. Feeder cattle October up a dollar eighty-seven at one forty-two forty-seven. November up a dollar fifty-five at one forty-two eighty-seven. Lean hog futures have been fueled by emotional buyer support over the past couple of sessions. We saw a sharp limit rally on Thursday of last week. A rally also seen on Friday's trading session. Mixed activity on this Monday. December lean hogs down 65 at 65.32. February up 12 at 69.60. For the grain and oil seed sector, in soybean futures, we're trending 5 to 8 and a fraction higher. New export sales looking to support the futures today with USDA confirming 129,000 metric tons of soybeans sold to China, as well as 318,000 tons to unknown destinations. November soybeans up five and three quarters at ten dollars and a penny and three quarters. January at ten oh five and a quarter, up six and a quarter. Corn December up a half, three sixty nine. Chicago wheat trending two and a fraction higher, two to three higher. Kansas City a fraction higher Minneapolis spring wheat. The Dow up 386 points. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Well, lots of market developments we want to talk about with our next guest, Todd Holtman, who is lead analyst for DTN. Todd, good to have you with us here on Adams on Agriculture. I want to go back to Friday's WASDE report. What what were your takeaways from that report? All right. Well, first, thank of all, uh, thank you very much, Mike, for having me. Uh, the Friday report, uh, the surprise to me was that most of the numbers came in very close to trade expectations. Uh, having seen uh, many, many years of these USDA reports, I think my stomach's always braced for a mm-hmm. surprise, but we really didn't see any big shocker uh, in, in Friday's numbers. And, and uh, overall, I think that should kind of help calm our expectations heading into fall. Because there was some anticipation of that report being uh, a kind of a shocker one way or the other. Yeah, well, uh, we had a real uh, uh, kind of a bullish potential wrench thrown at us in the month of August. We had that uh, horrible windstorm, of course, that worked its way across Iowa and into uh, neighboring Midwestern states there caused a lot of damage to fields there. And then we also had this hot, dry stretch of weather that added to uh, what were already some drought conditions in west-central Iowa. So that that central Corn Belt region, I think, was really up for grabs for uh, uh, guessing about. And uh, that's where I was concerned that maybe USDA would come in higher or lower than expectations. But, uh, you know, 14.9 billion bushel crop is still a healthy national corn crop. We're still going to have a, a fairly healthy carryout of 2.5 billion bushels. So uh, it, it's not overly bullish, but it's certainly less bearish if we look back at all the things we've been dealing at uh, this year, including coronavirus. So it, it's a little bit flip-flop that here we come into fall and, and the, the bearish pressures on corn are easing now. And now we today we have these sales numbers, more sales numbers to look at, more uh, exports that look uh, very promising, and certainly uh, in the soybean market uh, we're seeing this move. Uh, what are your thoughts, and uh, what are, would you suggest to farmers as they get ready to go to uh, to, to the fields to harvest? Is this a rally to uh, sell into? Yeah, well, let me answer that real quick. And, and my answer is yes, you got to take advantage uh, of these higher prices that we're getting. And then to back up on that uh, question a little bit, we were expecting higher soybean sales in fall. I mean, that's traditionally our best window of opportunity for soybean exports and especially to China. It's typically the time of year when South America's uh, soybean supplies run low. So this is our natural advantage time of year for exports. But this year was really different. It was a very strong bullish surprise. Uh, Brazil ran out of soybeans earlier than expected. Their prices starting hitting uh, new highs in late July. That gave us a great window of opportunity. And now we've had uh, almost two months of very active exports, not only in soybeans, but also corn too. And as you mentioned, we got two more sales uh, announced this morning. So that trend continues and uh, that, that's a big surprise this fall to have that much uh, demand falling into our lap. Yeah, that's good news. But the other side of that, and you mentioned it, we still have pretty healthy stocks. Yes. Uh, on, on corn, we do. Two and a half billion bushels points to cash prices in the low $3. We're actually trading a little bit above that now. And, and part of the bullish potential there is, the stocks could come down lower if uh, China appears to be as serious about demand as they're looking right now. And overall, 
you know, it's always hard to figure out just what the supply situation is in a country like China that's closed off to us. Uh, but just judging from their domestic food prices, it does look like they have a, a serious need uh, to to shore up food supplies at home. And, th- and that seems to be where this big surge of buying is coming from. And back to soybeans, excitement of being uh, over $10. Uh, how high do you see this rally going? Uh, yes, I, I think uh, there could be uh, roughly another 50 cents uh, to 70 cents perhaps into it uh, our cash soybean prices are still around nine and a quarter to 930 or excuse me 940 on a national average basis uh, I think there's a real chance of that getting to a ten dollar level that's uh, the USDA when they estimated 450 million bushels or 460 million bushels of ending stocks Friday historically it points to roughly a ten dollar cash soybean price so we still have room on the upside and then, of course, there's always a, a little bit of a surprise factor, just not knowing just how much demand ha- uh, China has in store for us. Well, you just think of how things have changed the last few weeks. We were at one point <laughs> looking at what, uh, this huge harvest of, uh, you know, this could be a, a record or near record crop. And, and everyone was talking about the sales to China lagging behind phase one commitment levels. Now things have, have really kind of flipped around here in the last few weeks. Yeah, and it's so rare that we get that. And, and you're right. Uh, before early August, we were looking at the most bearish collection of factors that we have seen in a long time. I think it's no doubt that this will go down as one of the most bearish years in the record books, uh, especially for corn, given the coronavirus situation and how that uh, all started. But here we had uh, a little bit of easing pressure on, or easing on the production estimate. And then uh, combine that with this unexpected surge of demand, largely from China. That it's been a, a just a real kind of a bit of a surprise of a turnaround. But boy, what a great opportunity uh, now to price some corn and beans. Finally, some good news in this challenging year of 2020. Yes, absolutely, and it's been long needed. And uh, I, and I'm sure for livestock guys and others out there, they'd like to see some more. Todd, thank you very much for being with us. We look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. All right, that's Todd Holtman. He is a lead analyst for DTN. Well, harvest is underway in some parts of the Midwest. In fact, uh, they're underway in the boot heel of Missouri. Maybe not as far along as they would usually be at this time, but still some harvesting going on. Let's go to Dexter, Missouri. Charlie Cruz is with us. Charlie, thanks for joining us. How much uh, harvesting is done in your area? Well, Mike, you nailed it. Uh, we're not as much, uh, there hasn't been as much harvesting as there would normally be this time of year. You know, a lot of years we're completely finished with corn by now and uh, got a late start. We had a really cold, wet spring, so everything's late this year. I'd say corn is maybe 70% done, and uh, I know that sounds pretty good to uh, a lot of people listening, but down here, as far south as we are, like I said, normally we're done by now. Well, how's how are the yields? How are the numbers looking? Well, the yields are pretty good. Uh, in fact, uh, a, a good good crop year uh, had a lot of timely rains, and then of course we do a whole lot of irrigating in this area, mm-hmm. and uh, so the yields are good overall, uh, and. Uh, 
the soybeans look really good. They're late too, but they really look good. Um, all the crops do. Rice looks good. Some of the rice went down with all the rain we had from Hurricane Laura. Uh, but overall, the rice looks really good. And cotton has a potential to be another good crop year. It's just really late. And so we need some warm temperatures and sunshine for the next several days to get the cotton where it needs to be. But overall, the crops uh, are in pretty good shape right here in the Big Hill. Are the corn yields as good as you thought they might have been uh, a few weeks ago? A lot of parts of the Midwest, we've seen, uh, you know, we've kind of lost the top end on some of these crops. What about in your area? I think that's the case, Mike, in a lot of situations. Uh, You hear some really, really good yields. But also, I think overall, um, yields are good. But as you said, maybe not quite as good as we might have thought maybe a month ago or so but but again the, i mean they're good but uh there were some really high expectations a month or so ago and some of them are not gonna quite reach that but they'll still be pretty good how are the moisture levels been so far it's really been tough to get the moisture levels down uh you know they're still moisture still up in, in the a lot of a lot of people start corn harvest down here we, we harvest the corn and dry it, uh, and a lot of people start at 28% and like to get it down in the 18 to 21% range to really be able to speed along the drying. And uh, this has been a year where uh, moisture's just kind of hung in there. And so the moisture today, here we are in the middle of September, and um, moisture's still uh, higher than we would expect this time of year. And what's your forecast for this week? You gonna be able to get uh, going pretty good this week again? Well, it was it's been like this for a while. Uh, there are certain areas. Uh, Saturday night uh, got around two inches of rain in about two hours, and other places got hardly no rain. And uh, so this week the forecast is for sun and and temperatures in the low eighties. Uh, through towards the end of the week slight chance of rain uh, towards the end of the week but uh, right now it looks like this week's gonna be a pretty decent week for more harvesting all right charlie well uh, we'll check back with you in a week or so and see how things are going then and uh, how far along you are at that time but we appreciate the update good to talk with you again thanks charlie oh you too mike always you take care you too. Charlie Cruz, Dexter, Missouri, down in the boot heel, about 70% done with corn in that area. Not as far along as they usually are, uh, but it sounds like they'll be able to make some more progress this week. Up next, we're going to talk more about the WASDE report and these, uh, especially these soybean markets right now, the export sales boosting the soybean market. We're going to talk with Mac Marshall, Ag Economist for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. That's coming up next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. 
Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with stamina F4 cereals fungicide seed treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania seed treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC seed treatment, pest protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. A toast to soil health. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Mike Steenhook, who is executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, uh, this week there was a ceremony kicking off the construction of barge loading and unloading terminal along the Missouri River. Tell us about the significance of this new terminal that will be built. This past Wednesday, there was a groundbreaking in the, the small town of Blen. Iowa. They had a groundbreaking for a new barge loading and unloading facility uh, along the Missouri River. They have an intention of, of loading some degree of soybeans for the export market from that facility yet this November, December. You know, clearly, the construction progress will take a while, so it'll 
things will occur in waves and in increments. But you know, the, the plan is to is to be engaged in international marketing for this farmer-owned cooperative by shipping on the, the Missouri River. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we have a lot going on with the soybean market right now. Joining us is Mac Marshall, Ag Economist for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. Mac, thanks for joining us. Um, wow, quite a bit of excitement here as we head into harvest. That's right, and thank you for having me, Mike. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of excitement on Friday with uh, two major market releases coming out. First, we had the export sales report coming out first thing in the morning. Um seeing that we're off to a great start for the 2020-21 marketing year, uh, which we just moved into. And uh, and then we had the WASDE later in the day, uh, which I think we're all still kind of digesting, but um, uh, saw some pullback there on um, the expectations for the crop, um, as well as some upward revisions on exports. So uh, a, a lot of bullish news there, and we saw a nice price rally for uh, for U.S. soy on uh, on Friday following both releases. What was your takeaway from uh, the WASDE report? Well, um, so if, if we look at what the markets were expecting going into the WASDE, um, pretty much the consensus was, uh, you know, after we saw that really high yield figure in August of 53.3 bushels, um, everybody pretty much expected yields to come down a little bit and crop size to come down uh, in, uh, in concert with that. And um, so seeing the, the, the expected uh, U.S. yield come down to 51.9 bushels, still very, very, very strong crop, um, I think was, was uh, generally um, expected. But, uh, but seeing, um, you know, the uh, reduction crop size, uh, excuse me, reduction in crop size of 100 million bushels there, um, that, that uh, I, I think more than anything um, is leading us to a position where we're going to have a lot lower uh, inventory at the end of the year um, than we had initially uh, expected, at least coming out of August, and and all of that I think helped contribute to the the run up in prices on uh, on Saturday or excuse me on Friday and over the weekend, which is of course uh, uh, good for our growers here. Yeah, so big crops don't always get bigger. This one uh, we've we've been kind of backing off of it here for a few weeks now. Yeah, that is the adage is, uh, you know, when you see these upward revisions in August, those big crops do tend to get bigger in terms of, uh, you know, bushels to the acre. But um, in in August, I I think, as everybody knows, we had a a lot of adverse weather, certainly had the derecho in Iowa, um, but just some sustained dryness as well uh, helped mitigate some of that um, that, uh, crop advancement, pod fill and everything that had 
been uh, pinned to that uh, that higher yield figure in August. So coming back from that, um, again, still probably looking at the uh, second uh, highest crop on record behind 2018. Um, but I, what I'm really excited about is uh, w- where we're looking in terms of exports uh, going into this new marketing year. Um, that that first week of uh, of uh, of uh, export sales figures that came out on on Friday, um, we're seeing nearly 30 million metric tons in new crop commitments uh, at the start of the year. So that's what uh, what has been pre-bought for 2021 coupled with what's actually shipped in the first week and and that's a record level um we've seen continued excellent buying out of china um also you know a number of other destinations as well so uh that that really i think sets us up well for a good start to our peak selling season uh as as beans start coming off of the fields uh this fall yeah good to have a rally anytime but especially going into harvest Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, it, it, I, I think anytime you have that opportunity to uh, to have those higher prices and um, and, and be able to sell it at certainly the highest prices that we've seen since uh, 2018, um, that's that's really positive. I, and and I think in the world of soy, anytime we can look at we can look at uh, you know figures and market conditions that are more. Uh, representative of the pre-trade war period than than uh, where we've been for the past two years. I take all of that as as a fantastic signs here. And even with yields not expected to be as high as we once thought they would be, still for many farmers, uh, a really good crop out there, and they could take advantage of this rally. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, no, we're not at fifty three point three across the whole country, but fifty one point nine, I think, would still be the second highest yield on record. Um, so, a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, we we have good volume coming off the fields. If you if you're going off of that fifty one nine number, um, and uh, and and I think if you look at what we're the market we're probably going to be selling into. Uh, in terms of both international markets and uh, we're seeing some renewed strength in, in domestic markets. Um, certainly crush is very, very, very high. Um, it's been trending above year earlier levels really all year. Um, we're seeing good demand out of the uh, out of the biodiesel sector for soybean oil as well. Um, so, uh, you know, if you look at all of the areas that U.S. soy is poised to serve, be it international markets for animal feed or domestic markets for, for animal feed, as well as industrial applications, um, including biodiesel, I, I think we're, we're in a, a good spot. And, um, you know, certainly soy farmers have been looking for bright spots for the past couple of years as we've navigated these trade waters. Um, and, and it seems like we're, we're finally starting to, to get some of those bright spots. And real quick, your thoughts on soybean stocks? On soybean stocks, so I think what's what's important, what came out of the WASDE on Friday, um, if we looked at the end of the marketing year for 1920, uh, we had a 40 million bushel reduction in, in ending stocks, um, which took us down to 575 uh, million bushels. Um, you know, still still relatively high, but um, but coming down. I mean, if you put that in terms of stocks to use and put it in terms of days usage, that's us coming down from about 51 days usage to about 37. Um, and, and and that's that's uh, that's not an insignificant drop, um, particularly when you consider that 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 uh, that carry out figure is really at the low end of what the market was expecting to come out of the WASD. So you know that's also a contributing factor towards the uh, the rally that we had. But if we uh, if we look at a lower carry out from 1920, 
then we're coming in with a lower carry-in into the current marketing year. And, um, and we saw a downward revision in expected carry-out for, uh, for 2020-2021 uh, 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 balance sheets as well. So we had that come down from about 610 million bushels to 450 uh, right. expected to Mac- be at the end of uh, the next marketing year. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot happening right now in the soybean market. Thanks, Mac. Yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you very much, Mike. Um, appreciate the time. Synex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.